This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Hey everyone, today's Clubhouse chat is with your fabulous hosts, Kevin Conde and Ashley Taylor, and their special guest is Matt Stagliano, who you heard from in episode number 64. This chat, it was a little bit more serious, and Matt talks about mental health, and as we know, as creatives, as starting our own business, we have a lot going on when it comes to that, plus our family, plus you know whether or not we have other jobs our personal life, like so much going on, so much to manage. And it's always important to talk about our mental health. So this is what the chat is about today. And I hope you enjoy with Kevin, Matt and Ashley. Welcome everyone to the Portrait System Podcast Clubhouse Edition. My name is Kevin Conde and I'm here with my co-host Ashley Taylor. If you are not familiar with the Portrait System, we are a portrait photography podcast that is powered by Sue Bryce Education. Nikki Klosser hosts our regular Monday episodes, and Ashley and I co-host our Clubhouse edition, which is live here on the Clubhouse app every Friday at noon Pacific. And then our episodes are released on Thursdays. You can tune in on your favorite podcast app by searching for The Portrait System. And Ashley, how are you today? I'm great, Kevin. I'm always so excited to be here co-hosting our chat, and I'm so excited to introduce and welcome our guest for today, Matt Sagliano, who is a portrait photographer based in the great state of Maine. So welcome, Matt. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you bringing me on. We're so excited to have you. All right. I'll toss it back to you, Kevin. (laughs) No problem. Once again, welcome, Matt. So this week, uh, in our 90-day challenge for the Sue Bryce education is confidence and networking. Uh, you have shared so much about yourself in the group and the events that happen in your life where maybe you haven't been 100% and you've talked about your mindset and you've got, uh, that you've had through while building your business. Uh, so we decided that it would be a, a, you would be the perfect person to bring on and talk to. You have been featured on the main podcast, uh, the Portrait System podcast before uh, with Nikki. And we've learned that you are a serial entrepreneur. Uh, you've had a long career before photography. Uh, you've had the photography business before your portrait business. And you've done videography and uh, the jewelry business, which, wow, it's, 
you've accomplished so much. And uh, you would think with all that you've done, that you would have had a lot of self-value and a lot of confidence. And yet you've shared with the members in, in Sue's main Facebook group that your confidence and your self-value uh, haven't come easy to you and that you've had many struggles in your journey. Can you share with us a little bit about your journey to self-value? Yeah, I mean, this, this is a huge issue for a lot of people, right? And I think one of the, the things to note here is whatever I talk about, I am by no means a trained psychologist or counselor. This is just the stuff that works for me. Um, but yeah, the, the journey itself has been really, really interesting. Um, I think from a macro view at 30,000 feet, when looking at my own self-confidence and, and how I believed in myself, I really didn't get there. Now I'm 47. I didn't get there till about three or four years ago. And the timeline really coincides with my joining Sue Bryce Education. And I don't say that as a plug. I say that because all of the things that I learned, the community that's here, really made me shift my mind in how I thought about what I'm doing with my life, how I run my business, how I engage with clients, the products that I sell, all of that shifted. And once I started to run what is now a successful business, everything changed for me. Um, so for years and years and years, um, starting kind of at the beginning, and I won't go back to dinosaur age, but I was the I was the chubby little kid, the fat little kid. I got bullied in high school. Really didn't have a ton of friends um, my whole life. Got to college, kind of reinvented myself in college, and then got out of college, reinvented myself again, and was always on this search for who I truly was. And got married, got divorced, got into long-term relationships, left those. Every time that I would go through something relatively traumatic to use the term, um, or just, you know, something very impactful. It always came down to my own self-confidence. I wasn't good enough. I didn't hold up my end of the bargain. I wasn't good enough at my job or a good enough partner. And all of those thoughts compound over time and you create these neural pathways that those become your beliefs. And for me, by the time that I got to my mid forties, I realized that I was wrapped up in this identity of just a scarred individual, unhappy, depressed, not dealing with um, a lot of things that most normal people I would look at and be like, you know what, their life is so together. Why isn't mine like that? And that's where things started to change. So for me, it came down to understanding that Everybody is carrying some level of this to some degree. And if you if you find someone that has complete self-confidence with no self-doubt or imposter <laughs> syndrome or anything, please send them my way because I want to study under them. But <laughs> for, the, for the most part, I think we all struggle with this to some degree, no matter what we do. If we're artists, if we're bankers, if we're parents, if we're teachers, I think we all struggle to some degree of what our reality is and how we see ourselves versus what we see in other people. And 
so it's, you know, I'm very, very open about it because through therapy and through just putting my story out there, it's freed me of a lot of the stigma that I was holding back. And that vulnerability really did move me to another level. And, you know, today I feel great. I really appreciate you sharing all this because I think it's so important to hear. I think social media has a big impact on us these days, at least certainly me. If you compare, it's easy to compare yourself to others because you're seeing someone else's highlight reel. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And it's just very easy to then think, oh, it's so easy to, you know, start a business or it's so easy to find success or why is that all happening for them and you don't really know the whole story of what's really going through someone's life. So I just want to share that I really appreciate your transparency and vulnerability. Um, and I wanted to know, I know you said that like your transformation really started when you joined SBE and what, if you can pinpoint it, was the aha moment? I'm sure there were a series of aha moments, but uh, <laughs> like, was there some some quote you specifically heard in a video or a certain video that really like spoke to you and really start started the snowball transformation. Yeah. You know, there's, there's been a lot along the way, Ashley. And, and, you know, I think the turning point really started when I made my first sale, right? I was running a photography business before that was predominantly commercial photography and videography for small businesses, mainly in the outdoor industry. And I was just scraping by. I really didn't know sales. I didn't know self-value. I didn't know anything about anything, quite frankly. And I, to this day, don't know how I kept afloat. When I joined SBE and started looking at all the self-value, I was kind of like, I'm good enough. I don't need this lady telling me how to value myself. Like, I just need some pricing information on how to set up lights, right? And man, was I wrong. So really what it came down to was when I went to Portrait Masters 2018, that was my first Portrait Masters, and I really absorbed the community and I really absorbed people's stories, I realized that I wasn't much different than anybody else. And I would look to the mentors and I looked to people that had been involved in in these types of businesses for a while. And I said, what are they doing? How can I model myself after that if I want to be successful? So I just immersed myself in it. But I think it was Portrait Masters 2019, the, the quote that really that really hit home for me. And I think Sue said it on stage. Don't quote me on that and don't harass me in the comments if she didn't. But (laughs) it's what you don't change, you choose. And that hit me to the core. I mean, it shook me to be like, oh, I'm choosing to be upset. I'm choosing to be envious. I'm choosing to be depressed and, and look at someone else's highlight reel and have that affect my day. I'm choosing all of that. So if I don't want that, what do I need to change? And it was then that I really started to look at how I viewed everything. I really scaled back from social media. I unfollowed a lot of things and I started concentrating on me and what I'm doing locally. Instead of trying to prove to other photographers that I have good work and get their affirmation and accolades, all I need to do 
is give my clients an amazing service. They're the ones that are paying me, not other photographers, right? So when I started to change my life because I didn't want to choose to be upset, I didn't want to choose to constantly be struggling, I said, what changes do I need to make? And that's when I really started to dive into the self-value and dig deeper and deeper and deeper into SBE to find the things that would help me elevate to a new level and stop living that life of just getting by, living hand to mouth. So yeah, it's the what you don't change, you choose. And I, I have that posted on my wall. I say it to myself about 20 times a day. And um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a guiding force for me. I love that. Um, I was just going to say that I really like appreciated. And one thing that you said about like immersing yourself in the community and the conference of portrait masters, because I do think that, um, our, like who we surround ourselves with, they, there are studies that that really makes an impact on how much money we make, how much success we have. And like you also said, sometimes, following other photographers can feel competitive and make sometimes make you feel bad about yourself. But what I love about SBE is that there is this tight knit community where everyone is trying to raise each other up. And by spending time in making those in-person relationships, both online and in person at the conferences, we really do surround ourselves with people who are like-minded, who want to go to the next level. Um, So I was wondering if you could just talk for a second about maybe how any personal relationships you've made with people from this community who who have that positive mindset have affected you totally and i'm going to name all the names right now so <laughs> when when i got when i got to the portrait masters 2018 i was standing there in line waiting to register and nikki had pulled me out of line because she was doing interviews on camera and there's got to be video of it somewhere the camera's on her i'm about seven feet taller than nikki so my head's cut off i'm look like a deer in headlights i didn't know anything about anything and this is about 15 minutes into me arriving at portrait masters by the end of the weekend uh, or the end of the week i should say i had met some friends that are still some of my closest friends now and You know, there are a handful of people that I've grown very close to over the years. Kat Ford Coates has been my mentor, has been a business coach, and I talk to her constantly. Um, Parker Fister, who was one of the speakers at um, Portrait Masters, uh, was just here hanging out at my house for a couple of days because he's become such a close friend. Anita Watkins up in Canada has been a huge influence on me in terms of my business and campaigns and getting it right. I see Erica down below. Uh, Erica Manning is another astounding photographer um, that has been a confidant for me. So I've met all of these people and there's hundreds there's hundreds of them and I see them in the group and I talk to them online and offline and I've never had such a supportive community of other photographers around me than the folks that I've met through this community and I don't say that in a in a hyperbolic way it's it's true in the former industry that I was in it was incredibly toxic there was so much competition and people were racing to the bottom to steal clients from you and no one would share information. Contrast that with the Sue Bryce community, which is 
all about sharing. This is how I do things. I want you to succeed. Come along with me. Show, you know, show me what you can do and I'll help elevate you. That's the kind of personality that, you know, of course, like you said, is going to rise. Uh, everybody rises up at the same time. And it's, it's an incredible thing that I hadn't experienced before. So yeah, there's, I could go on and on and on with, you know, Kitty and Lenka and uh, Ann Landstrom. I mean, all of these people that have had huge influences on me. Um, yeah, it's, it's the best, man. It's the best. So Matt, you mentioned that you pulled back from social media. And I'm going to assume, I'm just going to assume it's because you're looking at people's highlights and you realize that you have to get away from that. And then you started throwing yourself more into your work as well as the community um, with the Sue Bryce community. What steps were you taking uh, not only to improve your business, but also to improve your mindset? Yeah, this is, there's a lot there too. Man, this clubhouse is only an hour, right? I can't make this like a four-hour session. All right, cool. So, you know, for me, um, when I started really looking at what I needed to change in order to better my life. There were a couple of major things that had to happen. One, I, I forgot about the stigma um, that I had believed for a long time about therapy, and I started seeing a counselor. And that fundamentally changed my life. I was able to unlock and unpack a bunch of stuff from childhood and some beliefs that I had and some attitudes that I had. And that was a you know, four or five year process. And at this point, I'm a huge believer in professional help. And if you're struggling with anything, there's plenty of help out there. And it is the number one resource. There is no stigma attached to it. Get yourself some help if you're needed or if you're struggling with anything. Um, The second part was really looking at meditation and understanding the process and the practice of meditation and what it could do. You know, you hear all these things, Sting is out there meditating and Oprah's meditating and, you know, Deepak Chopra and all these people. Well, if they're super successful and they're meditating, well, what can it do for me? So I started reading a lot about it and started practicing meditation probably about two years ago. And it's now part of my daily practice. And that has been a huge thing for me to quiet my mind, really stay self-aware and just stay in the present because I found when I was looking online and looking at everybody's incredible work that I'd start feeling bad for myself and I'd say I'm never going to produce work like that I've never produced work like that in the past man I've made a lot of bad decisions I can't do anything I should really just kind of hang this whole thing up what am I doing being a photographer right all of those thoughts rush in when instead I would quiet my mind and really just try to focus. And over time, it's called a practice for a reason, right? You never really master it. So by practicing meditation and quieting my mind, what I've been able to do is just become very, very centered, very self-aware. So that if an emotion kicks up in me at any given time, somebody says something or I see something online and I feel that emotion whether it's anxiety or fear or anger or happiness, whatever it is, I get to make note of it and see it for what it is and understand, oh, that's just an emotion. That's going to pass in a few seconds. But I can choose to either 
continue to focus on that emotion or I can choose to just know it for what it is and then move past it. And by meditating, by being self-aware, it's just released a lot of that heavy load that a lot of us carry on our shoulders of all of these daily anxieties, all this mind clutter. And it is possible to reduce that significantly by just taking a few simple steps. So yeah, Kevin, that's, that's been the big thing for me has been the meditation for sure. Wow. That, that's, that sounds like it's super helpful. And now actually, you know, something I think I might look into. <laughs> so thank you for that. Uh, do you have um, any- Kev- Oh, sorry, Kevin. No, <laughs> I feel no like worries. we're just jumping on each other today. I was just going to add in Matt that I fully agree with you on meditation. And I would also say to anyone listening, movement is extremely helpful. I have like a very rot, um, relationship with exercise and a lot of like old beliefs that I'm not very physically fit and not like physically able to do things because I'm so small. Um, But over COVID, I've really changed so much and like been able to manage my anxiety through um, like yoga, stretching, Pilates, movement, even bought myself a little mini trampoline at home. And I would just say for anyone listening out there too, and I don't know if you've had this experience, Matt, but moving your body and like physically shaking it out of the emotions is super, super helpful too. Yeah, the the mind-body connection is, you know, people hear about it a lot, but it is so true in when you get to move your body and you exercise and you start to feel better and you you heal your body, you move it, you uncreak those joints, all that stuff. When you start learning about your body, it helps with your mindset. When you can create a nice mindset, you now understand your body a little bit more. So it's a very symbiotic relationship. I know one of the big things for me every morning, I get up around 5, 5.30 and take the dog for a walk for a couple of miles. I live near a ski resort, so we just kind of climb the mountain every morning. And the most wonderful part of that is that it's just me and nature, right? No other sounds, nothing to distract me, no phone, no podcasts, anything like that. And it's just peaceful movement. And it's not, you know, I'm not crossfitting my my butt off. I'm just walking and moving and getting myself ready for the day. I think exercise and understanding how your body works and what it needs um, from everything from the food that you eat to the, the types of movement that you do, it all compounds to make you a healthier individual. So yeah, Ashley, I think the movement part um, we all sit at our desks for how many hours a day, right? Yeah. We get into these editing sessions and yep. suddenly we're we're hunched over. Our chin is basically in our lap because we're slouching so much and our hands are going to sleep because they've been leaning on the desk. You got to get up and move. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a big part of this, a part of the, you know, the healthy lifestyle. Yeah. And I would say it's not about like looks or like necessarily mm-hmm. achieving like any particular goal. I mean, if you want to have a goal, that's your business and totally fine. But Like for me, I've just noticed that, um, yeah, just if I spend 20 minutes stretching, it changes my whole day in the morning. (laughs) And that was not me like a year ago. So I just wanted to presence that too for people who are looking for tools um, in how to get past some of these anxieties and emotions. Because for me, I struggle with anxiety a lot. 
Um, Kevin, I'll toss it back to you. No worries. Uh, and I just want to echo that sentiment is like, I've, I found myself, uh, you know, I have my own body issues. You know, I'm a, I'm a little, little girthy, you know, I'm a little thick boy. Uh, so I found just, as you said, I'm, I'm started walking in the mornings and just doing that kind of really helps get your mind right and make you feel better. So I just want to echo that sentiment. Yeah, totally. Big, big boys. Uh, you know, we need love too, right? <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> Self love. Uh, there we go. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, the 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 body image thing for me has been traumatic my entire life, right? And so I said I was bullied for it. It's been something that I carry no matter what I see in the mirror. I still see that seven year old heavy kid, right? And no matter how much you exercise, it really comes down to what the world sees is not necessarily what you see in your own head, right? So just understand and be gentle with yourself about how you look and understand that it's nobody's responsibility but yours about how you feel. So just feel good about yourself and the skin that you're in. You're beautiful exactly the way you are, no matter what the size is. It comes down to the thing inside of you. And that's what matters. It's not, you know, whether you're a certain weight or a certain height, not, none of that matters. It comes down to you, how do you treat other people? And that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing for me. Mm. Yeah, I remember Sue said, like, your weight is the least interesting thing about you. And that's something that's, like, always stuck with me. Kind of like how your quote <laughs> stuck with you. That I Sue said, that. that one has always stuck with me. Yeah, I love that. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about body issues real quick, Matt. Um, last year in April, you created a very vulnerable post. Uh, of how you've had body issues due to being shamed and bullied as a child. Uh, and at some point last year, it appeared you had enough. Uh, you, I remember in that post uh, where you posted your self-portraits, you said that the time at the time you told yourself, it's time to be free. How did you feel to say that in your mind? I was terrified. I was terrified. Um, you know, I remember the moment when I walked into the studio and I was just in this, I was in a funk, you know, um, I don't take my shirt off. I don't go to places where I need to take my shirt off. I'm not a beach guy. I'm a, put me in a snowsuit and throw me in zero degree weather. And I'm very, very happy because I'm all covered up, right? Body dysmorphia in men is a huge thing that doesn't get talked about. So for me, you know, I really had a hard time with my own body issues for a long time. Even when I had, you know, life partners and I was married and, you know, I, I still had these, this confidence issue in, in being seen naked or being seen without my shirt on. And I had just kind of had enough. This was a big block for me, the, the body image and feeling less than just because I had a couple extra pounds on me or because my love handles weren't attractive to me, right? Um, so I had walked into the studio that morning and it was pretty cold, um, but I decided I needed to immediately address that, right? Being self-aware of the emotions that kick up. And as I walked into the studio, I said, enough is enough. Let's, let's do this. Now, that being said, I didn't sit there and strip down to my skivvies and be like, hey, world, this is me. I took a small step. I took my shirt off, put my jean jacket back on. But the thing was, I was taking pictures of myself with a bare chest and a bare belly. And it was for nobody else 
but me to start looking at myself in a different way. I have never considered myself someone, right? And we hear this all the time. I've never heard, uh, felt of myself as someone that was going to be good looking in front of a camera. Can't stand myself the way that I look in pictures. But if I don't feel uncomfortable in front of the camera and start to understand what that experience is like, how can I ask my clients to do that? So it wasn't at that time anything about my clients. I didn't care about any of that. What I needed to do was battle myself a little bit and come out victorious. And after 15 minutes of taking a couple of pictures, I had this really cool set of pictures that I love. And, you know, while I'm, I'm still not going to get there and be like, hey, world, this is my birthday suit. I feel really proud about those pictures. And I know that I've become much more comfortable with my body since that day. You know, you know, Matt, it's funny. Uh, it's I, I remember when you posted that. I remember scrolling it and I saw the number of likes, the number of comments. And I thought to myself, oh, who the heck is this, you know, handsome dude? And like, and I started reading and I started thinking, wait, this, this guy, this guy has self-confidence issues. And it, it, I was taken by surprise that just, you know, people that I, I know maybe, as you say, you don't see yourself, you know, uh, at that time as an attractive individual. But I got to say, you know, for, you saw the comments in there. You are a handsome devil. So it's it's interesting <laughs> to hear you talk about how you felt uh, about taking those images. Yeah, it's so. it's flattery gets you everywhere. By the way, Kevin, so you know <laughs> the, the checks in the mail. Um, oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> you know, I, it's it's a huge it's a huge thing for me, right? So whenever I'm whenever I'm talking to clients, I hear it over and over and over. Right? You see it in people's eyes. You see it in their body language. They're covering up, and this is in the consultation. We're not even at the shoot yet, and they're covering up. They can't stand their body. They you hear them say things like, I'm not photogenic, or I need to lose 10 pounds, or my hair's not right, or whatever the case is. And all of those insecurities come flooding out, and you see how much it it takes over their life and makes them feel less than the beautiful person that they are. So I started to look at, at how I do my photography, and instead of glamming people up and turning them into an alternate version of themselves. I wanted to show them how beautiful they were straight out of the camera, no makeup, no fancy clothes, you know, no elaborate sets. I wanted to be able to show them just who they were because I I would pull out these pictures of me and say, I hate being in front of the camera, but I do this and I'm stoked about these pictures. And I think by showing that vulnerability that I'm willing to do what they're about to do, that it eases some of that. And the favorite word that I use with a lot of my clients is brave. Stepping through the door to my studio, sending me an email to say I'd like to be photographed is one of the bravest things that you can do. And what it does is it shows that you're willing to better yourself and see yourself in a new light. And that to me is priceless. So, you know, once I made that post 
and I, I'd been looking at vulnerability and, and how do I practice more vulnerability, um, that was a, that was kind of like a gate opening for me. And it allowed me to connect with people on a different level rather than just saying, yeah, I think you're beautiful. Um, now I truly understood what it was like to go through that pain and come out the other side in a much better headspace. So it not only has served me well, but it's allowed me to connect to my clients in a different way, which is, which is incomparable. It's wonderful. I love that so much because I think um, it's obviously amazing to do the self-value work for ourselves first and foremost. But then when you think about the ripple effect that it has um, for our clients and for their friends and their family and the people that they refer to us who then are willing to stand up for themselves, it's like, you know, Sue has helped us start this little movement that we're carrying forward for all our clients. And I like to think that, you know, we're all making the world a little bit better and more um, ability for everyone to love themselves a little bit more. So I love what you just said. So Matt, with all the self-work that you've done for yourself, self-building, self-esteem, self-confidence, at this point, is there a, a direction that you're going for to reach in, say, an ideal self of yourself? Uh, is Does that exist? And what does it look like, if at all? So I don't think a perfect you exists. I think it's a, it's a, it's a shifting ideal of who you are, right? Every experience every day is going to change your view of the world. My goal is to be a consistently good, kind, peaceful person. Um, and I just try to focus on making myself joyful every day, doing the things that bring me joy rather than doing things that I think people will like and I'm not really doing it for me, I'm doing it for them. Um, I need to do things for me because I get one trip on this little dust ball that we're on. So I wanna make it as good for me as I can make it. And in doing so, you know, I really need to detach myself from the wants and needs of others and put myself first understand what it is that I want out of life, understand what it is I want out of my business. And then when I have those answers, everything else feeds into that. I've learned to say no. I've learned to politely decline things. When it's not in my best interest, it's okay to be a little bit selfish for yourself and say no. If it doesn't jive with your beliefs, if it doesn't jive with the way that you want to live your life, then forget them all. And I don't want to use that word forget, and you feel me. Um, for me, it's all about trying to just be the best person that I can be, whether that's through teaching others, helping others discover a sign of themselves that they didn't know about before, um, you know, doing something for my community, all of those things come back and give you a, a higher frequency, a higher vibration. You're just, you know, you're kind of in tune. And when you start that train, that momentum builds. And, you know, Sue talks about it a lot. But when you start to elevate your frequency and you start to, you know, put your thoughts out to the universe and ask them for things, they come to you. 
absolutely 100%. But when your mind is cluttered about things that you wish you were or things you wish you had, all of that creates a static and it just keeps you from being that person that you truly can be. There is no reason why you shouldn't have everything that you want. But a lot of people just don't want to put in the work to do it. Um, I love what you just said, too, about like saying no when you need to and just putting yourself first. And um, I know that boundaries have a lot to do with mindset and self-value. And I was wondering, now that it seems like you feel a lot more confident in setting boundaries for yourself, um, if you could go back in time to like younger you or you when you were just starting your business, what piece of advice would you give people about how to set boundaries, maybe with clients who are pushing, you know, the limits for your time or you know, anything like that, trying to get through your policies. I feel like that's something that a lot of photographers struggle with. Yeah. You know, I take everything on a case by case basis, right? It's really hard for me to say I have these hard and fast rules for everything in my life. What I try to do is I look at it and I say, all right, is this going to slightly inconvenience me? Is it going to change my commitments to somebody else? Is it going to cause something unhealthy for me? Right? I look at all the factors in the equation. And if it's just, you know, a couple extra minutes or maybe a half an hour, of course, I'm going to do that if it makes that person feel really good about themselves. If I feel at any time that I'm being taken advantage of, that's where I start to set my boundaries. Be like, hey, you know, this wasn't really in the thing. We can come up with a different solution for it. I'm happy to work with you on that, right? But typically, I weed a lot of that out through the conversations that I have with clients um, throughout our relationship from the consultation all the way through the shoot, all the way through the sale. And by the time we get to the end, hopefully we have a good enough relationship that you know, neither one of us are in a position where we're taking advantage of, of one or the other. Um, you know, if I had advice for my younger self, it's a lot of what I've talked about, which is forget about the opinions of others and just believe in yourself, right? By being the true you, by looking at your soul and understanding who it is that you truly are. When you can do that, then you're almost invincible to what anybody says about you or how they act towards you because that's their issue and it's not yours and you don't need to own that. Too often we believe that we need to own many of the things that people project onto us and there's no reason why we have to. There's no societal rule saying that we have to internalize all of that. So developing that little bit of self-confidence to say, you know what, I know who I am and I know what I bring to the table, that can really move you forward and set you on a path that gives you a lot of self-confidence, that gives you that comfort in a networking situation that you can talk to anybody and not feel inferior or less than. So it really does come back to asking yourself some hard questions. Who do I want to be? How do I want to be perceived? and just making that reality. I think you had such also a good response in there about communication um, and just, you know, how important it is to be really clear in our communication and really open with people and also 
bring things up probably before they fluster and get worse, like um, before any resentment starts to form. But I know again from reading the comments in our Facebook group, a lot of photographers who are struggling out or starting out are struggling so much with how to communicate with their clients and how not to be maybe afraid of displeasing their clients. Do you have any advice around communication or anything like that for starting out photographers? Yeah, listen, just, just listen. So often we sit in a position where we're not really listening. We're waiting to talk, right? We want to get this information in their hands and they might say something. And if we're not listening, we could miss a key to bettering the entire relationship. So instead of sitting there waiting to say what you need to say, talking about your price list or talking about how great prints are or what amazing part you know you're going to do in the shoot, just listen to what they're actually saying and give them the attention and the respect of just as they're as they're talking to you, you're really understanding what it is they're saying. From that you, you get a much better relationship with the client and you can head a lot of those issues off at the pass. You know, I, I recently, as of uh, yesterday, had a client come to me to do some commercial work for uh, her jewelry line. And in that, she said, you know, oh, we can go here and we can go here and we can do all this stuff in Maine and we can have, you know, a high fashion shoot. And I said, all right, that's perfectly fine. But Maine in August feels like an Instapot, and we may be better off just being in the studio and really crafting a shoot that works for your line, and we don't have to go out into the weather, we don't have to worry about hair and makeup running, all of that stuff. And just listening to what she was saying, I understood the shoot she wanted to do, but I needed to set some boundaries so that I could give her the best images possible for her line and by going out and doing a massive shoot at multiple locations would not give her what I feel would be my best work. So by doing that, she was totally on board. She totally got it. So it's a matter of standing up for yourself and just not accepting, you know, what the client wants every time you're in the business of service. And if you can't serve them the best way, then come up with a solution where you can so, you know, for me, it's those types of situations where I'm listening to what they want, but I also have to be able to understand what I can bring to the table and how do I best give them what they want if I can't deliver exactly what they want. Does that make sense? So, um, you know, I, I look at things in, in that way. Does that answer your question, Ashley? Yeah, totally. I think that's super helpful for people to hear. I mean, it really does come down to listening and then kind of pointing out when someone, you know, has two things that they want to achieve that are in conflict with each other. Like in your situation, they want to achieve all these great pictures, but they want them outdoors, but that's going to make it a lot harder to, to achieve. And then having that confidence to let them know like, hey, I'm the expert. I'm in charge. <laughs> Uh, you came to me because you trusted me, but saying it all in a friendly way that someone can like receive the information and not get defensive about it. Yeah, totally. I mean, we are the experts, right? People are coming to us because we are the photographers. We are the people that they trust, you know, but the natural reaction is to go into a situation and 
try to show the other person how much you know, right? Oh, it'd be great um, if we could go here and do all these, you know, all these shots. Or if I go to a car dealership being like, oh, I know all about the 2021 Mustang engine, but I'm not a car guy. But, um, you know, we tend to want to verbalize as much as we know to build relationship with other people. And I look at it that that's all they're trying to do. They're trying to, you know, build that relationship with me. And I will do the same, but there have to be some limits um, when it comes to the service that we're providing. Um, and that's just the way that I look at it. But it comes down to, you know, if they want something extra, it doesn't inconvenience me. Why not? You never know where it's going to lead. It could lead to someplace fantastic. Yes, I love that. So, so Matt, let's go ahead and talk about Money Boss. Uh, one of the big topics of conversation that happens within the Sue Bryce Facebook group is the discussion of money blocks and ad- identifying what yours are before you start a business. Uh, there are some great videos in the Sue Bryce Education Library that discusses money blocks, uh, such as the money wheel of misfortune and money leaks. Um, let me ask you, have you been able to identify where your money blocks come from and what were they? I can pinpoint it. And, uh, you know, I I think I talked about this with Nikki on the podcast. When I was a kid, um, my grandparents used to come over and, you know, on the weekends or whatnot. And typically my grandfather would give me a couple of coins out of his pocket before he left. Right. So I'm talking I was four or five years old. And one time, you know, this happened week after week after week. And then one time he was leaving without giving me the coins. And I said, hey, you know, Grampy, can I have some some money? And he just kind of chuckled a little bit because I think he either forgot or just, you know, it made him laugh. And he gave me, you know, 75 cents or whatever it was. And they left and my mom came over to me and grabbed the money out of my hand and said, you know, you don't ever ask for money. And she took it from me and, you know, I got got grounded. Her intention was good. I don't fault her for anything. But what it did was it scarred me and made me think, oh, you never ask someone for money, and when you do get money, it's taken away from you. So I didn't realize that I was even carrying that along with me until I was walking, and I happened to be listening to Sue and Nikki talking about money blocks. This is last year sometime, and it hit me like a lightning bolt, and that memory that I hadn't thought about in 42 years came flooding back, and I said, oh my God, that's, that's the root of all of this. And the moment that I was able to identify that, I looked at everything differently. And I really started to believe in my pricing, was able to sell, was able to look at it as I deserve this money for what I'm doing. And that, you know, I provide a valuable service that people need. So why should I feel bad about asking for that money? When I was in corporate America, you know, I had a really good job. I was doing a lot of stuff, had a big paycheck, but it was just there. I just kind of, you know, clocked in, clocked out and I got the money. I mean, it was it was a job by running my own business. I now started to equate my own value with the service and the products that I put out. And as my confidence increased and as I identified these money blocks, I realized that yeah, I'm worth it. I am worth the service that I put out. I am worth these products. And I was able to ask for money with no hesitation. And from that moment, I saw my sales average increase. 
So it's gone up quite a bit. It's almost doubled in the past year. It's been great. So would you say that it was basically, would you, is it instantaneously? Like once you realize, oh, wow, that's where that came from. Was it like a flip of a switch or was it something that you were gradually working through? No. And, and, and in my case, it, it was the flip of a switch. I wow. damn near ran home and I wrote it in my journal and had to at least make note of it so that I wouldn't forget it and it wouldn't get lost. But it was so indelible in my mind that I realized that that burden had now been lifted. I didn't know why. I watched the money wheel. I listened to all the self-value stuff. I listened to all the money stuff. I went through mentoring with Kat and still couldn't figure out the money block stuff. And, and she's brilliant at that work, by the way. Um, and it still didn't resonate with me the way that I wanted it to. So when that realization hit, I it really was flipping a switch for me. And everything started to make sense. All of Sue's advice, all of Kat's advice, all the stuff that I had read really started to click. And, you know, when I would find myself in a situation, I would feel that money block kick up and I'd be like, hell no, you're worth it. And it would move away. So, you know, it wasn't that the the feeling was gone forever, but I could recognize it and say, eh, you're not going to bother me today and move on with uh, with the sale. So, yeah, it was it was pretty instantaneous. You um, had also mentioned when you I, you made some posts about about money in the group. So that's what I'm saying when I say you also mentioned in the past that one way you were able to transform your relationship with money and help reach your financial goals was the act of looking at your bank account every day, which I know is something that Sue talks about in her money videos. And I was wondering if you could, um, as someone who's experienced this being really positive for them, talk about how the act of looking at your bank account every day changed you. And like, besides looking at it, did you do anything with the information that you were seeing there? Like, did you write it down? Did you create a budget? Did you track all the money you spent or, you know, take more notice of money you spent maybe not so wisely? Like, how did it help you? Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and be like, I'm a financial wizard. I know everything about money. Um, I struggle with it, right? I tend to be one of these people that I'm frugal. I don't buy a lot of little stuff. I impulsively buy something massive, right? It's, uh, I really don't need to spend $39 on SD cards, but, ooh, new camera over here. Let's drop three grand on a new camera, right? So, you know, I still struggle with that from time to time. But looking at my bank accounts every day gives me a sense of control, gives me a sense of understanding where my money's going. Are there changes that I need to make? I know to the penny what my monthly nut needs to be. So to cover all my studio costs, to cover my mortgage, to cover my food, my entertainment, I have a number that I know I need to hit every month. When I start seeing that I am not bringing in that amount of money, um, things have to change immediately because that's what keeps a roof over my head and allows me to continue to do my business. So I've always, you know, for the past probably six or seven years, I've always looked at my bank account every day. I balance my books. I know exactly what's coming in, what's going out. And I even project that out about a month or two so that I can know, 
all right, what moves do I need to make now? What sales do I need to make now that will, you know, reap some benefits a month or two from now? So, you know, it's given me a sense of control rather than a sense of panic or anxiety of where is my next paycheck coming from? If I know I'm not making enough money, then I need to market more and I need to get more clients. And that becomes the focus. And that is what it is. Um, So I think, you know, that practice of looking at things, really understanding your financial situation gives you a power over your own money rather than the, the money having power over you. Do you ever feel like there's a conflict between, you know, maybe you look at your bank account, you're like, oh crap, I really need to like hustle and book some clients. But maybe you're also like experiencing burnout or overwhelm or like a lack of motive. Like, does the, does it always motivate you to go for it? Or is there ever a conflict between like what you know you need to do, but what you'll want to do? If you get me. I, I do. And, you know, for me, they're, they're kind of separate, right? So burnout is a thing. It's a, it's a real thing. And I've experienced it over and over. And when things are going off the rails in my life, I always look at, am I just burned out? Do I need to step away from everything? And it's totally okay if you do, because the world is not going to end if you take a day off. And I didn't know that for a lot of years. I worked, you know, eight days a week, 28 hours a day, thinking that I had to work more to make more to survive more. And you can't do that. When you burn yourself out, you're not, you're closing yourself off to a lot of opportunities. And for me, I've had to find a balance between work and understanding that I need to balance that off with leisure and vacation and just time off to think because that restores my clarity, which makes me understand, oh, I can get more clients by doing this, or I can shift this money here, or I don't need this piece of gear anymore. I can sell that, and there's another $1,500 that came in out of nowhere. But for me, there's a big uh, connection between being burned out and feeling anxious about money. So when I feel those things kick up in me, I start taking a look at, all right, well, what does my calendar look like? How have I been treating myself? How am I eating? How am I exercising? Am I taking in too much caffeine? All of those things, we were talking about the mind and body earlier, all of that ties into how we run our businesses and how we look at our finances. So for me, there's um, a big correlation between the two, but once you find that balance, then it doesn't become so overwhelming. You're able to deal with, all right, well, I got to fill the coffers a little bit this month without that sense of panic. And you've done it before. You can do it again. So just kind of put your mind to it and, um, and make yourself some money. Matt, what does your current work-life balance look like? Um, so if you had asked me this question about three months ago, Kevin, I'd say there's there's such a thing as a work-life balance. Um, you know, coming out of last year, I worked my butt off last year, wound up having my best year in business ever, despite the turndown. And it was nothing other than sheer will and determination not to fail and not to, you know, lose myself to the pandemic. Um, I refused to let my business go under. And I worked really, really hard to make sure that that didn't happen. The plus and minus of that is had a great financial year. The minus is 
I worked six to seven days a week, you know, just doing everything. That's not sustainable. And what I noticed at the beginning of this year is that my health had really declined. Um, I've got some issues and that if I eat wrong and I don't exercise, um, it really affects my mood. It affects um, everything about me, my skin, my hair, everything. So when I start to notice my health declining, then serious changes need to happen because that means I'm neglecting myself. And there is no business on this planet, no client that you book that is worth neglecting yourself. So in order to, you know, serve others, you've got to be a little selfish from time to time. And that's, you know, what I was talking about earlier. So if you feel those things, take the time to look inwards, take care of yourself first and find that balance. Take a couple of days off, build it into your schedule to do yoga or take a walk or just have a nice lunch outside. Build it into your schedule the same way that you would build in a consultation. And by doing that, you're committing time to yourself and it's a great way to start really working on that balance. Immediately you start to feel better because it's not how do I fit this in? It's, oh, I'm fitting it in whether I like it or not. And it makes huge changes. It pays huge dividends for you. So, yeah, now I think, Kevin, you know, I set certain hours. I work from 10 to 4 every day. I take my weekends off despite the pull, the need to want to come into the studio and keep doing things. I force myself to stay out of the studio to stay off the computer and uh it's really kind of changed me for the better i feel amazing all the time that's that's awesome uh in one of your posts you had mentioned that you expected 2021 to be record-breaking based off of your previous year in 2020 uh from what you've seen with your health declining and working six seven days a week does that change does that change your expectations of what you're uh, one out of 2021? So it hasn't changed anything. And I still think that this year will be great for me. Um, the Am I at the same pace that I was at in the, the last part of last year? No, not yet. I also live in a very tourist-driven town. Um, it's a town of 2,000 people that depends on the ski industry. So we have seasons of work. And for me, it's taken some time to get into that rhythm, even though things are not, you know, I shoot basically four or five times a month. Um, I'd love that to be somewhere between eight and 12 times a month. Um, But I also look at the season that we're in, how many tourists are in town, what's my marketing doing uh, within New England, how do I bring more clients in from other states, all that sort of stuff. Um, I know that there will be huge peaks and valleys because of where I live. And that's just an environmental thing. That's not everywhere. Um, I feel like if I were in a bigger city, I'd probably be more consistent, but not necessarily making any more or less money, just more consistent. Um, Here, there's definitely been a huge uptick in the past probably month and a half or so. Um, But because I was dealing with some of those health issues at the beginning of the year, it set me back on my monthly goals. But I'm certainly hitting, um, for the past two months anyway, exactly the target that I want to hit for the rest of the year. And uh, I like the way that this pace is going. So, you know, I don't freak out too much about it. I just 
continue to do the work, take small steps, and the bookings and the inquiries keep coming in. So I'll take it for what it is. Well, that is very great to hear, Matt. And uh, we are coming up on the one-hour mark of our conversation, and it has been such a pleasure having you. You've been so insightful on mindset of but uh, running a business. And uh, before we go, we want to be sure that the people listening are know where to find you. So if you can go ahead and share your socials with us. Sure. So uh, everything I try to keep pretty consistent. So uh, stonetreecreative.com is the website. I'm at stonetreecreative on all of the social media platforms. And then uh, the same thing with the, you know, the, the handcrafted jewelry business that Ashley mentioned earlier. That's called Cyanide Bunker, cyanidebunker.com cyanide bunker on all social platforms and um yeah so that's it but stone tree creative everywhere um and that's where you can find me anytime perfect so everyone listening please go follow matt and make sure to follow the portrait system on instagram and facebook as well uh if you are a member of sue bryce education and if you have any more questions for matt ashley or myself uh go tag us in a post in the sbe members only facebook group uh, if you are not a member of the Sue Bryce Education and you are interested in learning about how it can help your business succeed, email Ella with support. Uh, the email address is support at suebriceeducation.com. Thank you again for joining us, and we hope you can join us next week. Thanks again for listening today, and don't forget you can listen to either me or our special guests every Friday on Clubhouse at 11 a.m. Pacific. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? I also encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com where you can find all of the education you need to be a successful photographer. There are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 90-day startup challenge plus so many downloads showing hundreds of different poses. We have to-do checklists for your business, lighting PDFs. I mean, truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and eight frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX 100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.